Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining. I'm your host, Seth Haskin. Uh, I started this podcast to dive deeper into the ways we know one another and God. Uh, the goal of this podcast is to ask the question, how God loves. I invite people from many walks of life to join me on this adventure. Now, the title, Four-Dimensional Love, may be interesting to some, but I use it because we are diving deeper into who God is, and we're bringing him onto our three-dimensional plane, but also understanding that we can't understand him fully, so he's in, like, a different dimension, hence the name Fourth Dimension. Mm. I would like to welcome and thank our guest today. She's the VP of Student Life at Bethel University, has a Bachelor of Arts in Human Development from Seattle Pacific University a master's of arts in counseling and psychology from Bethel university and a licensed professional counselor and always has a contagious personality. Welcome Miranda powers. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Such a fun. I'm so glad to share your inaugural podcast, <laughs> yours and mine. With yes. You. Yes. This is our, my first one and Miranda's first one. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, you said um, I went to Seattle Pacific University, so I'm originally from the Northwest, Okay. from the Seattle area, and grew up and was born and raised there, and so I love being outdoors, I love all things Northwest, including seafood, I feel like that's not everyone in the Midwest likes seafood, do you like I, seafood? I enjoy seafood, okay. like shellfish, like scallops are one of my favorites. Yes, so. I, I do like a good scallop, mm -hmm. I'm a salmon fan. Salmon's very good. Yes, but I love being outdoors, um, I enjoy just being with my family, I've worked at Bethel since 2004 in some capacity, and I always joke that. If you stay around someplace long enough, they keep just giving you more to do, <laughs> <laughs> which is both good and bad. But I started here in admissions and enrollment, uh, which I loved. And then I I had such an impactful experience at Seattle Pacific with my resident director. I was an RA for two years, and I just really loved the work of student life. So I applied for a job here, and after I had done admissions, I was a resident director in Edgren Hall. If anyone out there knows Edgren yeah, I was a Bodiner myself. Oh, so. oh, but right across the way, Bodine <laughs> yeah, and Edgren. Bodgren, right Bodgren. in the middle. Oh my goodness, it's so funny that you bring that up, Seth, because um, my co-RD and I named it Bodgren because the really? one of the years I was in there, they actually redid that little patio area that's referred to as Bodgren, and so we felt like we needed to name it, and it was the space between. Between. So anyway, I was an RD in Edgar and then I was an RD in West because Arden Village West and East weren't always AB. They were mm -hmm. two separate rest halls. And then I worked a little bit in career development and calling, a little in the counseling center. I've taught here at Bethel and at other spots and then came back to student life, working in campus engagement, was the dean of students and then have been in this role. So I've been at Bethel a long time now, a lot of <laughs> roles. I also am a mom. I have three kids. Almost 12, almost nine, and four. Um, I've been married for 16 years, and I love to be active with my family, love to make memories. I absolutely love to travel. So, COVID has sort of put a damper mm -hmm. on some of those things, but I feel like things are opening back up. Yeah. Where's the where's one of your favorite places you've traveled? Um, you know, a classic spot. Well, um, maybe 2000, what year would that have been? 2010 or so, my husband and I took a Greek Isles cruise. So that we sounds fun. It was really fun. So we went to all these different places in Greece and Italy, and they were just beautiful. So I think Venice, Italy is one of my favorite mm -hmm. spots. And then 
we went to Paris on a different trip and such a fun, iconic city. Yeah. There's so much history there too. It's just like such old buildings and everything. I love it all. But I've always wanted to go to Amsterdam. Where would you go if you could go anywhere? If I could go anywhere in the world? Oof, that'd be a hard one. I think somewhere with a lot of history. Mm -hmm. So like ancient culture. So like somewhere like ancient China or like ancient Europe. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, um, of course, like the Holy Land, you know, walking where Jesus was just like imagining, like walking in the same presence of like a very historic figure. Um, Just as like amazing, mind boggling to me that we were just here, same place, totally different time periods. Isn't that crazy? We did, when we went on that Greek Isles cruise, we went to like the birthplace of the Olympics and Athens, Mm -hmm. such historical places. And it was really incredible. Sounds like you should be traveling on the Band of Brothers trip with Sam Mulberry. Maybe. Interim. I feel like you need to. Can I get make a recommendation for you to join late? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think I uh, already have prior commitments. uh, Bethel's doing musical, and I think I'm in that right now. Oh, are you? That's awesome. Yep. You would love that trip, though. Do you know them very well? Uh, I had Professor Mulberry for CWC, so he's a very fun guy. Yeah, him and Chris Garrett's usually lead that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard great things. Historical. Yeah, and they they do a very good job. So the show is about relationships and our relationships with God and people specifically and how we build on those relationships to understand how we view God and others Mm -hmm. and what separates them. So I just have a couple of questions here that can lead us in our conversation. So the first one is, what comes to mind when you envision a relationship with God? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think in metaphors a lot, but I think a couple things when I was thinking about this question, you know, I think of a relationship with a God who is with us and not just because we are so close to the holiday season, but I think of God's nearness to us. And so this idea that God is walking with us, that's how I picture some of our relationship with him, that it's not a distant relationship. It's Mm -hmm. not something that we just call for when we need help, but it's literally next to us, walking with us, somebody we can communicate with and talk with. And so I think of a relationship with God that way a little bit in terms of framing. Mm -hmm. Um, Was there anything specific that got you to that point? Did you always view God this way? Oh, that's a good question. Or did you view him as a judge up in the clouds waiting for you to make a mistake? Yeah, I do (laughs) think, I mean, I think there's some of that, right? There's this healthy fear and reverence to God. So I don't necessarily think of God as an equal, but I think that's one of the things that separates Christianity from other faiths, right, is this idea of God's grace, is that we serve a God who can pick us up, who's going to walk with us, and I think maybe my view of God even shifted a little more after I did have children, Mm -hmm. because there is this, so one of the later questions you pose is, is sort of about how we view God and why, but I think that really changed my view of God, because I think God doesn't have to love us unconditionally he doesn't have to walk with us but he chooses to use us in the world i mean he could do all those things differently but yet he created us and he loves us and therefore um he's given us gifts and abilities to love each other and to love the people that he's created and his creation and all those things so i think that reflection of being somebody who is needy and who is loved by god really changed for me when when I was a, a mom, specifically caring for somebody else who was needy, mm-hmm. and and I felt such a belovedness to them. So I think 
for me, framing myself as God's beloved, it hasn't always been that way, but I think it's a way that I choose to really engage with my relationship with the Lord. It's just, I'm a, just by creating us, he loves me, right? Mm-hmm. He made me, he loves me, and he sees me as valuable. And that's really changed, I think, how I interact with, with God. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's very interesting to always like ask that question, how do you view God? Because mm-hmm. like I feel... If we view God a certain way, we're going to interact with God a certain way. And like it, like you said, if you view God as someone you walk with compared to a God who's up in the clouds or a cop around the corner waiting for you to make a mistake so he can get you, <laughs> right. very different way of like going about life. Mm-hmm. So it's always like a big question in my mind, like, oh, how does this person view God? And mm-hmm. how does that make their walk of life with God different than mine? Yeah, so. for sure. Um, so... Now that we've talked about like what you think about when you think of God and your relationship with him, what comes to mind when you hear the word just relationship? How does that m- affect you on your daily interactions with others? Yeah. Um, okay, so I would say when you use the word relationship, you know, I think of like relational, which to me is interaction, right? And I think of relationships ideally as sometimes they're one-sided, but they're also there's a neutrality to them right? There's an interaction. Mm -hmm. So if I am in a relationship with you, then hopefully we're being relational, right? Which sounds sort of simple, but I think there's, there is a, um, there's a distinction between an acquaintance and a relationship because there's this characteristic of knownness, right? So relational interaction would say if we're in relationship with each other, there's a knownness to our relationship or a a specific either a specific purpose or a level of intimacy or there's there's something about that that characterizes it from just like hey I met you on the street and I have no idea who you are mm-hmm. right when we actually have a relationship we engage in something either it's for a specific purpose because we're doing something together or because we've taken the time to know one another um there's a connection or not s- not passive not passive not That's passive a, a great way of saying it yes it's not a passive interaction with another person yeah yeah there's Which is what, like, an acquaintanceship could be. You know, like, exactly. you're at work. You may have work friends, quote-unquote, but they're more passive. Mm-hmm. So you could actually classify them as maybe as acquaintances, but I feel like there's a stigma around that word. So Yeah, around acquaintances. Yes. Right? I feel like uh, when we start to level or put relationships in different categories, people may feel hurt. So, um yeah. But don't you think they kind of are in different categories? Yeah, I definitely I definitely do think they are in different categories. And I think everyone has a different way of uh, categorizing what a friend is, what an acquaintance is, what a best friend is, what is a BFFF, whatever, you know, all the <laughs> different levels. BFF, triple squared. Triple squared, whatever they yeah. are coming up with. I don't know. Um, or like a romantic interest or like a platonic yeah. relationship and like historians have been trying to figure this out major philosophers i mean aristotle and plato and like totally i think it's so fundamental to being human like mm-hmm. relationships and like god built us in his image right so that means he's also relational and i Indeed. think it's very important to understand all types of relationships and like different ways to think about relationships to understand god um which leads me to another question is do you think it's important to learn from earthly relationships to help our relationship with God or should we have our relationship with God before we start learning uh, about earthly relationships? Yeah. 
Well, I just think of, it's just so interesting because I, um, you just said something and I was like, oh, I got to think about this for a second, but <laughs> it was so good. But we, I think that the nature of God is relational, right? Mm-hmm. He designed us to be in relationship with him and in relationship with others. And so I feel like we can't help, but in our finiteness, we cannot help but see our relationship with God as connected to our relationship with others. And so I think sometimes that can be good and bad, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I had a great relationship, sometimes we think of God as male, you know, which has its finiteness too. Mm -hmm. But if I had like a great relationship with my dad, I'm more likely to think of God as a loving father, Mm -hmm. right? And I sort of can't help that. So ideally it would be like, my relationship with God is all I need and I can just see that I'm his beloved and that he's walking beside me. But I recognize that some of the reason I have that viewpoint is because I have healthy earthly relationships Mm -hmm. that have shown me what it means to be relationally loved. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's, uh, definitely the way I view things like study relationships because that's going to help you understand how God is relational with us in a way. Right. You know, how we always ask like, or we always answer the question how God loves, Mm -hmm. but we are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? We are very hesitant to ask like, or answer the question why God loves. We're always like, well, we can speculate why God loves, Mm. but we never know the true reason. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why I want to start this this podcast is because I want to tackle the question of like, why does God love? Yeah. And so um, it's like my thought process is he knows us so much better than we know ourselves. Right. So I think once you get to know anybody that well, we're able to just like look past certain things and love them mm-hmm. unconditionally like God would love. Mm-hmm. So I think it's very important to understand earthly relationships to understand our relationships with God. And I think we can't help but we can't help but relating to God in the way that we relate to our human, mm-hmm. in our humanness, right? And so I think there's, but yeah, that that question of why does God love? And I wonder, like God's joy and delight is to see his creation functioning, to mm-hmm. loving one another, to loving the things that he's created. But you're right. Why does he give that freely? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting question. Mm-hmm. And that's why he's on the fourth dimension, because he's the fourth we may dimension. speculate, but we'll never know we'll never truly know. how he or why he loves. Yeah. But I think we can speculate pretty hard why. Mm-hmm. But I do think there is that nearness piece, right? Like mm-hmm. that God chose to come near and even just the way he chose to send his son as a baby. I mean, that's just such a different way like in a helpless state right i mean it's just such a different way of being in relationship starting being neat needing something needing mm-hmm. care needing all of those things not in a position of power or authority or self-sufficiency but a needed relationship that's how jesus came right? yeah it's it, i think it's very important that you mention that how jesus came mm-hmm. it's like he came the same way that we all came you know from yes. our mother and it was just like we go through these relationships and they have different levels and different ways of loving. Mm -hmm. And I think he just like experienced all that Mm -hmm. the same way that we experience. And um, if he experienced it that way, then um, why can't we look at the way he experienced life Mm -hmm. and try to apply his thought processes to how we are relational with one another? Because a lot of his teachings were about 
relation with others. I mean, the first commandment is love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is just as great, love Love your neighbor neighbor as yourself, you know? And so I think a lot of people always like overlook that. And I feel like they're not like, this is one, this is two, but it's like together as one, because if we understand how we love our neighbor, then we understand how God loves us and how we can show that love to others. Yeah. So that's so good. Um, I brought up the fact of like categorizing relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, do you categorize relationships um, in a different way that maybe is unique to you? Like, mm-hmm. do you categorize friendships as like this? And do you categorize like my romantic interest relationship as this and so on and so forth? Like, could you give examples? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think we we have to categorize relationships to stay relationally healthy. And I think earlier you were like, people are hesitant to do that, especially at certain points in their lives, because I think they feel like, oh, if you put one on a different level than another, you're maybe dishonoring mm-hmm. one over another, right? But I think relationships have to, as God created us as relational beings, I think we need to understand that relationships serve a lot of functions in our lives so that are both you know, practical and theoretical in nature, right? And so not one relationship can meet all of my needs. Mm-hmm. And and so as I think about that, and, and similarly, I'm in a lot of relationships that are, are functional, like we were talking about work earlier, right? Like I have a lot of relationships at work that are functional, but when I think about my most important relationships and the relationships that I think my life will be characterized or judged by, then I have to classify the ones with my kids, with my husband, with other people, those in a separate category. So I remember when I was a resident director here, um, which is a really fun job. Highly recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> I think it's super fun because you just know so many people and I'm an extrovert. So I love mm-hmm. that. But I would always... A lot of meetings too. Yeah, a lot of meetings. <laughs> I'm in a lot of meetings and my meetings aren't as fun as RDs. Yes, yes. But... Um, their meetings aren't always funny there. But anyway, I would just say, you know, when I was in that job, one of the things I would always say is I need to remember who I'm taking with me, meaning the relationships that I have with students are always so meaningful in that season. And the Lord has given me that moment to journey with that person, whether it's for a year or for a month or for six months or for six years. But there are some relationships in my life that I have chosen that I'm going to take with me for a really long time. And therefore those, like my husband, maybe my kids, you know, hopefully my kids, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> hopefully, those, hopefully. those have to be in a different category, yes. right? And I have to give different time and energy to those because sometimes I think the ones that are closer in our circle get the worst of us. Mm. And it's, and it's we, we tend to like give them the leftovers when those are the ones that we have to really spend some time cultivating because they keep like kind of our center healthy at its core so that then we can be in relationship with others on the periphery. So I think of it that way where it's not good or bad. It's just thinking about what are the functions of these relationships in our lives and which ones are long lasting, which ones might be temporary, and then recognizing how we give time to those things accordingly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because I'll spend more time with my family. Yeah. How <laughs> I'm you? very close with my family. Are uh, you? I call them my family unit. Oh, <laughs> your family unit? I yeah, love that. So like all my brothers, I don't have any sisters. So there's five of us, five Five, five boys. boys? Yeah. And where are you in the birth order? I am second to last. So I it goes um, oldest, second oldest, middle, me, and then youngest. Oh, my goodness. And it must yeah. have been so busy growing up with five boys. Yeah. Oh, well, it, there was uh, 
you know, power differences sometimes, <laughs> especially when uh, I wasn't the babysitter a lot. But um, I feel like we grew up so close and like mm. so willing to like be angry at each other and like get on each other's nerves and like build such great relationship through the negative and the positive. Yeah. That it just is when I think of how God wants us to love, mm -hmm. it's like a family. Like he says in the Bible, it's All like right. a family. And I feel like people who don't have great family lives yeah. may have a harder time understanding what that kind of feels like. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, I could talk about it forever, which is why I'm doing this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Well, so. no, and it's so interesting that you point that out because I think of your relationship with your brothers, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like you might talk to one brother about something else yep. or with another brother. You're like, our relationship, we like to, you know, do X, Y, and Z together. We like to play sports or we like to, like, go for a run or we like to do acting or we like to make podcasts or whatever it is that you mm -hmm. like to do with your brothers. And that might not be the same as the relationship you have with a different brother, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But I think you're absolutely right is I think the family unit, and I'm not even going to put this all in parents, but good parenting, mm -hmm. like teaching that unconditional love of like no matter what, even if you don't belong anywhere else, you belong here in the family unit. I'm mm -hmm. going to start calling my family that. I like yeah, that. <laughs> I actually got it from a cartoon because uh, it. it's a robot character. Oh, cool. And he says parental units, oh. family units. It is just like, you know, it's kind of thinking as your parents as a unit, as one in right. a in like that relationship can yeah. change your view on how like not playing one against the other growing up. Sure. And then like thinking as your family as a unit and you're part of that. Right. I think it's such an interesting way. So I just yeah. started using it, even though it was from a cartoon as like a little joke. But I definitely, love it so. because your family unit. I mean, if you are fortunate enough to be in a family mm -hmm. where you feel loved, you feel secure, you know, you belong. Then I think you have an easier time understanding your belovedness to God. Mm -hmm. so. And I think that's why Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit call us to be a family. Right. And we're all orphans and we're accepted into this family right. and we can demonstrate that love yeah. relationally right. um, through a lot of different things. And like you said, um, I, I'm going to uh, reiterate what you said is not one relationship can satisfy all my needs. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. And I'll probably do another podcast just on that yeah. and specifically like the uh myth of romantic love oh as gosh, Seth, i've come to hear from we all. could talk about this forever i know it's so good maybe i'll have you back okay because <laughs> i just feel like oh my goodness isn't that the worst mm -hmm. when you think your romantic partner can satisfy all your needs everything my husband is not an extrovert so mm -hmm. he doesn't want to stay up talking till hours of the night right mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things that i love about him but I need other extroverts in my life yes. to hang out with me when he doesn't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I just think, and to normalize that, that we have these special relationships in our lives, but we need a lot of other relationships too, or we, we can have a lot of other relationships. I think it takes the pressure off some yeah. of that romantic love. Yeah. And sort of, yeah. Um, we're so, hitting yeah. a lot of topics that we're going to be I talking know, about Seth, in the I'm future. Sorry. No, it's all, all good because uh, um, I want to talk about on this mm -hmm. podcast the difference between jealousy and envy. Yeah. And how we use them in this culture interchangeably when they're actually very different things. Right. Um, so and like how the Bible categorizes it as envy mm -hmm. and like how um, uh, content is different. I mean, contempt, sorry, is different from anger. Yeah. And like um, and why it's 
different in the Bible because Jesus was angry right. when he was flipping tables and like smacking a whip around. Yeah. But he didn't hold anyone in content. He wasn't yeah. filling his heart with hatred towards anyone. Right. So I it's so much, so much so to talk many about. Things. There's so, so many relational components. Yes. Right? And I think that's why we need to talk about it more. Right. You know, Bethel, their slogan for the CFCR and just like everywhere on campus is that we're a community. Right. And I think we need to start having these conversations of what does a community look like? Mm-hmm. And should we start calling ourselves a family? Right. You know, like try to understand this relational aspect of what Bethel is priding itself on. Yeah. And I think it's very important. So. Yeah. And what are the characteristics of a family? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your family might have been, are you guys loud? Are your brothers loud? I'm the loudest one. Are you really? Oh my <laughs> yes, goodness. I get it I from my mother. <laughs> think of five boys as being kind of loud. Where did you grow up? Um, so most of my life was spent in um, Wisconsin, about an hour from here, okay. in a town called St. Croix Falls. Oh, yeah. And Dresser, which is like right next to St. Croix Falls. Okay. So I spent a lot of my time there. Cool. I have frequented Alabama for probably a total of three years of my life. Cool. Um, uh, pr- actually, probably more. I lied. At least two years that I remember, I should say. Nice. Um, but I've basically grown up in the same area in Wisconsin. And so it's a small town. Nice. You know, everyone knows everyone. And, yeah. you know, that can be a struggle sometimes, you know. Good and bad <laughs> to small towns. Yes, but I kind of love them. I kind of love small towns. Yes. My town that I grew up in was kind of small, too. Yeah. And uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in a little town called Port Orchard, Washington, which is in between Gig Harbor and Bremerton, Washington, on the Kitsap okay. Peninsula. Um, so pretty closer to Geek Harbor, but it's it's kind of a small town. Not like everyone knows everyone small, mm-hmm. but like relatively small. Yeah. So yeah, it was great. Yeah, sounds like a great time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we talked about different kinds of relationships and like how we categorize them and like levels that we have. I was wondering, um, how do these categorizations affect the way you view God, and where do you fit Him in this? category you kind of mentioned it Mm. earlier in the podcast but like how is god different in your categories compared to like earthly relationships yeah that's really interesting i think one of the reasons why i mean you asked me that definition of how do you view god and i sort of said like walking with me and i feel like if i didn't categorize god that way as walking with me it would be easier for me not to include him in my daily Mm -hmm. journey right So I want to think of God as somebody who's walking with me, who I can talk to, who I can be with, who can draw near to me. And I think that's part of how I categorize him, right? Not as just somebody who's like off in the distance or who I go to when I need something, Mm -hmm. but as somebody who can, who I can talk to throughout the day and know, right? So I, I think, do I always do that? No, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of weird sometimes, I think, to talk to God, isn't it? Yeah. Or he, to include him in our daily. Do yeah. you find that? Yeah. He kind of feels intangible, he you know? totally feels Compared intangible. to like an earthly relationship. He's yeah. very, to me, that's why I kind of started this, is try to make him more tangible by right. talking about him more in our relationship with him. Yeah. And our earthly relationships and how we can make him more tangible. But mm-hmm. definitely, he definitely feels intangible to some extent. So sometimes I'll forget. Yeah. Like when you say I walk with him, sometimes it's easy to just like 
get a fork in the road or something and you don't realize that you split up a little bit and then you come back together. Well, and it's sort of like I think of it that way, right? And so I know this sounds like a youth group answer, but I just feel like we have to give time to our relationship with God like we do to other relationships. Definitely. And so when I think of him walking with him, I'm like, what does that time look like? Is it you know, what first thing when I get up in the morning or is it listening to a podcast and reflecting on that? Is it like, you know, journaling or is it praying out loud or where where is that like 10 minutes a day that I'm carving out? And sometimes for me, it's just like deep breathing or it's just like looking out the window when I'm drinking coffee in the morning and being like, I'm just breathing this in and I'll do like breath prayers or things that remind me to sort of like walk with God and stay grounded in that. Much like if you had a best friend or a you know spouse or a child that you'd never spent time with they would begin to be like this relationship is unimportant and I don't think God thinks oh you think my relationship with you is unimportant but I think if we don't spend time with God we run the risk of it not being important to us right Mm -hmm. we sort of say like why do I need this relationship in my life And, and does it really matter and that's why I think that walking alongside and spending time is important yeah and be careful not to be passive like you said, totally. a relationship isn't passive. It's uh, yep. give and take from both sides. And so, yeah. like you said, carving that time out, we do that in our earthly relationships. We're like, hey, let's meet up this day. That this time we're going to grab some coffee. Like, so weird to say like, hey, God, I'm going to go with you for some coffee tomorrow morning. And I'm going to just listen to your word and like do that. <laughs> it's like totally different to think about it. But like, I think it needs to be a little bit more normalized. Well, for sure. And I think we also need to sometimes spend time thinking about just like, remember how I said one relationship can't meet all your needs. It's like, how do we actually connect with God? What are the ways that we actually experience God or feel like we're in his presence or feel like we know him more? Is it through reading? Is it through studying history? Mm -hmm. I mean, there might be ways that we know and see God that are really historical and that might be a better understanding, you know, or it might be in nature or so I don't know. I mean, I think we have to figure out how does that relationship work best where we feel most connected, just like you would with an earthly relationship. Definitely. So definitely. I think it's e- very interesting to think about like how we can be like with one friend, this is what we usually do together. Right. So what do I usually do with God that helps me understand him more? And I, I always ask myself the question. I think it's always important to like change the way you phrase sentences. Yeah. So like how do I know God? Like mm-hmm. just starting with a sentence like that and just like mulling over it in your head. And I think this is like one of my mm-hmm. spiritual disciplines that I try to practice is just asking a simple question in a sentence and then like changing it up a little bit. So I'll be like, how do I know God? Well, how do, do I know of God? Right. Like, what do I know about God? And like, mm-hmm. so just asking different ways with the central question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll ask myself, how? Oh, who is God? Mm-hmm. Like, who is God to this person? Right. Who is God in the Bible? And like, just like thinking about it in different ways, I think it's very important because I may know of God and know about God, but do I actually know God? Yeah. And I think it's a very different for me, a very explicit way of saying, well, I know of this person. Yeah. I don't know them. I know about this person, but I don't know them. And I think practicing a spiritual discipline, carving out that time, like you said, that we do with our earthly relationships, we can get to know God more. Right. I love what you said about um, our pastor used to say that, actually. He used to say a lot of people know about God, but how many people know God? Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's like, you're right. You can know about Seth or about Miranda, but do you know them? 
right? Exactly. And knowing somebody is <laughs> active, like you were saying. So yeah, I think that's yeah, so like good. for example, you're married. Yeah. So how much do you know about your husband that they maybe don't know about you? Yeah. You know, and it's just like learning more every day. Learning more every day, <laughs> and I think that's something important to think about yeah. when we're thinking about God. Learning something new every day. There's yeah. always more to know about God. Yeah. And the more we know about God, the more we know of God, the more we get to know God. So true. So. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. <laughs> it's I love these questions. It's so fun to think about this stuff because I feel like sometimes it seems so simple. But I do think under the premise of knowing, the more we know somebody, the more we want to know them. And so even that knowing of God it opens up our hearts and, and minds to want to know him more. Like yeah, you're that saying. Longing, that you know, longing. Yeah. I always find myself personally like going out and seeking relationships. Like right. I know I have a strong family unit and I'm very grateful for that. But right. I want I want other relationships, you know, like I can't maybe yeah. talk about something with my family that I could talk about with somebody who's not a part of that. You yeah. know, getting that outside perspective. Yeah. You know, I think it's very important. I think I find myself always looking for those relationships. Yeah. And not taking the time that I'm using in those relationships to also apply to my relationship with God. Yeah. And I think it needs to be a balance. Yeah. You know, searching out and carving out time for relationships, mm-hmm. leaving myself some room to be free for someone. Mm-hmm. I need to leave myself to be free for what God has. Yeah, you know? for sure. And that's where, like, sometimes I think of um, what is it like to intentionally create space for that? And even if it's not, I mean, I think it's ideal to s- do that every day, but I also think... One of the practices I've really enjoyed are like solitude retreats or even just like as an extrovert, as an extrovert. <laughs> I love those. And there's like a place up north that does them where you like it's this little cabin and bread basket and you can pray. And they always say you should come for two days because the first day you just sleep. And then the second day you can just hear from God because sometimes we're so hurried that we just we can't even create enough mental space. Mm-hmm. where we can shut that down. And I think with technology and so many other things, it's really hard to do that. Yeah, definitely, which yeah. will be a, probably another, uh, another topic. topic is just like <laughs> how to eliminate distractions exactly. <laughs> because we have to do it in our earthly relationships yeah. and we definitely have to do it in yeah. our heavenly relationship with God. Um, yeah. But we could talk a Forever long about time yeah. about eliminating distractions because it's so easy in our world yeah we have this magic black box in our pocket and we can go anywhere if i want to see pictures of france i got them yeah if i want to see pictures of china i got them you know and it's so easy to get sucked into that world yeah and like just perception of reality is so different yeah and it stops us from being fully present yeah yeah definitely yeah and that's really changed i was saying i mean that's really changed in these like black boxes, mine that keeps lighting up here, which I should just turn over so it doesn't do that. But there's, I mean, that's really just been in the last like 10 years. And isn't it crazy how that's just shifted the way that we live? So fast. Think about things so fast. And historically, 10 years is nothing. Exactly. Right? It's like nothing. Yeah. So it's really interesting to think about that. Yeah. For another day. For another day, uh, definitely. But it reminds me of a can't think of the exact quote, but I read a book called The Science of Shame and Its Treatments yeah. um, by Gerald uh, Fishkin. Okay. And I remember him talking about um, how shame affects the way we think about things and guilt affects the way we think about things. And and he describes them as two different things. Guilt has to do with like uh, exterior type things. Like I feel guilty about something because of the exterior, um, whereas shame is more in person. Like I'm 
timed something. You mm-hmm. know, like Git would be like, oh, um, I feel bad because I, I failed that test, you know. Yeah. Whereas shame is like, you're a failure. So it's very mm-hmm. central, shame yeah. is. And he's talking about this and this idea. And he was talking about reality in the book and how our reality is shaped. And he talks about our experiences shape our reality. Yeah. So if we're not having certain experiences our reality is different and when it comes to technology yeah if our experiences are through technology our reality of what's going on around us is going to be definitely shaped by that interesting so like this whole idea of technology addiction is is becoming more and more prominent in like scientific papers and they're doing more research on it and it's so interesting because technology is great because it connects us to so many things and we're such relational creatures that we want to be involved in all that. Right. But sometimes we just need to go, no, put it down and be like, okay, I need to fix the reality of what's actually going on around me and not what I pretend is going on around me. Right. Instead of getting lost in the technology piece and then you're not able to be present to like the human piece. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a big factor for a lot of relationships today in the present. So. Oh, for sure. That's such a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think what we're doing right now, personifying God through relationships or anthropomorphizing or however you want to put sure. it, do you think it's appropriate? I mean, it's been done for many, many years. I mean, like you said, yeah. we always think of God as like male or like a man, you know, and it's just sure. like in the Bible, it's like uh, even in the Old Testament, they personified God when Moses was on Mount Sinai. God's like, don't look at me, you know, it's just like personifying yeah. angels, heavenly figures, especially God. Do you think? It's important and more important is it is it okay to do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I, we we kind of said this earlier. Not really, but I I think we can't help it. I think cuz God is in the fourth dimension. Mm-hmm. The only way we can relate to him is in our finiteness, which is in human form, right? Because mm-hmm. we can't fully even the Bible tells us like no eye has seen, no eye ear has heard and they're talking about heaven. No mind has conceived what God's prepared for those who love him. And there's this this amount of that that teaches us that God's way is not our way and we can't fully understand him. So I think how we understand him is in the context of human relationships. So appropriate, I don't know if I would say it's inappropriate, but I think we have to strike this balance between like not God up in the skies, cloud, not someone we fear, but like somebody that we respect and have reverence for, just like we would hold a high mentor or relationship and esteem. Mm-hmm. And similarly, to have have those relationships with God. But I, I guess I just am not sure that we cannot do that. What do you think? Yeah, I think it would be very hard. Uh, <laughs> just like thinking of God as something that we can't like do anything with. So even like think of him as a ball of light. Well, that's still something like we can imagine, right. you know, and it's so hard. Like you said, we're such f- we have such finite minds compared to God. And I think... It is important for me personally, but I think it is important to understand who God is yeah. by personifying him. Because yeah. if we start thinking about him, let's say, as my best friend, right? like maybe it's not appropriate in the way to say that he's equal to me, but like just like start that way. Mm-hmm. Start thinking about him as someone who's a person right? and think about like, wh- how would I feel right. if s- my friend ditched me? Yeah. You know, right. like God is always like going after us, car like going for us, like a really good friend. Right. Like just thinking about him as someone who's like 
I'm setting time aside to be with you. Mm. And like the guilt that we could feel about like God trying to gain our attention as a person. You know, I think it's so weird to think about it that way. I know. Isn't that <laughs> weird? Because because I also don't think we can hold God's needs, like that God would have needs yeah. of us. Yeah. He yeah. doesn't have requirements of us like other relationships would. And even understanding that is like mind-blowing, yeah. right? And yet he wants to be with us. He doesn't need to be, but he wants to be. And so I just think... Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard for us to understand the fourth dimension, don't you think? The fourth dimension. The fourth dimension. (laughs) I like these microphone things. It kind of makes my voice sound cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's weird hearing your own voice, but you get used to it. I know, it is a little weird. It's like, I don't know how I like, you know, oh, I don't know how. Yeah, but I do think that fourth dimension is hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to fully understand or comprehend God and his his relationship with us, but I also think his love for us because, Mm -hmm. you know. Because of that, because of our finiteness. Yeah. Like, again, you said, it's hard to think of God who has needs, yeah. which he probably doesn't. Pro- <laughs> Most I, likely I guess, doesn't. Do we know that he doesn't? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. That's a theological debate for another time. Exactly. <laughs> but, like, exactly. if we think about, like, him as someone who maybe has needs, right. like a human would. Right. I mean, he did come here in the flesh through Jesus. Right. He definitely had needs, like you said, when he was born. He yeah. needed a mother. He needed something, yeah. He needed something. Right. So, like, he's experienced that. And right. so he knows what it feels like to be needing something. Totally. So totally. I think, and we can, as people and as humans and as relational beings, try to understand that in our own way Yeah. of oh my goodness, I need this. And that may be a relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. Mm-hmm. Full so. circle. I feel like that was a full circle. You brought us full circle, Seth. Full circle. I mean, that's <laughs> kind of the point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's just like thinking about God. How do we view God? And yeah. how does that affect the way we interact with not only him, but with others? Yeah. And that's where I think having healthy earthy, earthly relationships is something that we can do to even understand God better, right? And being the church to do that. Absolutely. The body to provide those healthy relationships so people can understand God. Yeah, so that if people didn't grow up with healthy earthly relationships, mm-hmm. that they have access to that. Mm-hmm. And they can. And those, I think, are forms of, I've always said, I think marriage can be a form of healing for people. Not just marriage, but any relationship. Any relationship. Right? Yeah. Any relationship where we're experiencing intimacy, where somebody is seeing more about who we are and loving us anyway, mm-hmm. um, I feel like can teach us a lot more about how God loves us because it's such an example. So I just get so excited, like you said, about a place like Bethel where people can feel a sense of belonging and a sense of family and they can can have relationships here that reflect God's kingdom more about who you know how God loves us and how he wants us to love one another. So it's exciting to think about about that. Definitely, definitely. So probably nearing the end of our time here, but I just wanted to ask um, a couple more questions. Um, As the vice president of student life at Bethel, Mm -hmm. how do you use your relationships with God and with others to help shape the way you think student life on campus should look like like we always say we're that a community how does how does that influence some of your decision making yeah well that's a good question i feel like i'm in meetings all the time (laughs) (laughs) um and i 
and I'm the associate vice president, associate which is vice fine. President. Yes. Sorry. Um, no, it's totally fine. Um, I, you know, I think ideally, um, I want us to create spaces where, I mean, student life has a mission statement just like mm-hmm. anyone else, yeah. but I think putting words to deed is to create a place where people are connected and they feel a sense of belonging, right? And so I think ideally my goal would be what opportunities are we creating for students where they can find a niche, whether it's like they're producing podcasts or they're in the school play or they're they're doing those things because I think it's in those niches and in those crevices and in the residence halls that we encounter people who are really different than we are, but we can still find meaning in relationship with them, right? Mm-hmm. Those relationships that give us joy, that give us um, a sense of fun, that challenge us, that maybe teach us something about conflict. Mm-hmm. I, we want to create spaces here, closeness here in a way that students, one, feel like they can belong. And then two, I think we want to talk about creating spaces where we can grow, right? And so when I think differently than you do about something or <laughs> um, you do something that I don't like or mm-hmm. those things, right? I really believe those growing moments help us know a little bit more about who God created us to be and who he created others to be and how we can live in the world together. So I think, I mean, that's kind of a broad brush stroke, right? But I think all of those things equip us for life after Bethel. So when I think about making decisions, things like roommate covenant agreements in the residence halls, have you ever Mm -hmm. lived in the res halls? Hmm? Have you, do you live in the residence halls? Yeah, I live in North. Okay. Have you, you've lived in North for a couple of years, haven't you? Yeah, two years now. So I lived in Bodine my first year. Okay. Then I lived in Arden Village East oh, that, my okay. second year. Yeah. And then I lived in North for two years. Now. now you have your own kitchen. You can't go back. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> kind of. I haven't used it much this year. I've just, I'm on the meal plan. So mm. got, got to go. You it. have to stay on the meal plan for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, so I would say even decisions around like what we do in the residence halls or programs that we run, Mm -hmm. I think are meant to help people, one, feel a sense of belonging here, but two, feel this sense of growth. And accountability. Accountability. Absolutely. And so even, I know people hate the roommate agreements and think they're kind of dumb, right? The roommate agreements are you talk through like, what are your duties in the room? And what don't you like in the room? It's important to have those conversations before the conflict comes. Exactly. Exactly. But I think all of those decisions, helping helping our students recognize that when they're in co-curriculars here, it's not just for fun, but it's also for learning and it's also for development. And so, and I think fostering a lot of different things. Like I was leaving Student Life tonight to come down here and there's like a Soul Train event tonight. Mm-hmm. So it's just so cool to see how people are dressed up, how they were decorating in there and like what it looked like and what are those spaces where everyone feels like they have a sense of belonging and can really be who more of who God created them to be. And I think that's part of the college journey. And part of what we get to do in student life is help people discover those things. Yeah. Right. And you do great work. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you guys are always plugging something. <laughs> oh, we try. We try. Well, it's a very important part of campus living for sure. And yeah. a very important part for faith based campus living. Oh, for sure. So Yeah. Yeah. And my last question for you tonight is if there is one thing you have learned from your lifetime that helps you envision God, can you share that with us? Mm. Oh, my word. I know. It's a one thing that <laughs> helps you view God a certain way. Yeah. What helps you envision God that you've yeah. learned? Well, I think um, I think that 
this is kind of going to be a weird answer. I should have mm-hmm. thought about this question before. Was that on the sheet, Seth? It was. That's okay. That's okay. It's at the bottom. Yeah, it's at the it was bottom. It's at the bottom of the sheet. Um, I guess I would say, you know, um, changes help me envision more of God, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about changes in my life and sometimes really hard moments, I'm like, man, there's so much hope, right? If God's walking with us, that He and He wants our good, that sometimes He can see things that we can't. And so I think of points in my life where I've been like, oh, this is never going to change or it's really hard or I've been grieving over something or I've lost a friendship or I didn't get a job or something didn't work out kind of how I thought it might. Um, I just think those are also opportunities because I often think then six months into the future of living and I think, gosh, like I'm in such a different place than I Mm -hmm. thought it would be such a better place, a a more hopeful place. Mm So I think that's what I would say is, is I don't even remember exactly what the question was, but I would say like <laughs> even just that helps me know more of God, that God is that fourth element and that he sometimes knows more than we do. It doesn't mean that he's going to solve every problem, but that's like that God is walking me through this valley and it doesn't mean that I'm never going to have a mountaintop again, right? Mm-hmm. Or it doesn't mean that I'm never going to feel better about this again, but that God's with us and all those things. So he doesn't promise us ease in life, but he promises to be with us. And I think that's what I've learned in the journey is just that just to keep going in that, because what's ahead is sometimes better than the moments that you're currently in. Yeah. We have, we have uh, blinders on. We got like, this is what's in front of us. So easy to see what's just in front of us. And he's the architect of life. So it's, he knows what's going to happen. So, yeah. And so sometimes that should just be an encouragement to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would also say there's even the same there's, I just think sometimes there's moments in our story where God brings relationships into our lives for like six months, or it's a really impactful season with that. And there can be such beauty in that. So I think allowing ourselves to have that in those moments is important too. And and to keep our our eyes open for those moments. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Oh my goodness! Miranda thanks Powers. for having me. Yes, I, of course. Is, I feel so cool with this microphone, and it's just you're making my dreams come true. Here, so. <laughs> I know, and you're the first one. So. I know. How does it feel? It's a lot of pressure. I love it. <laughs> That's okay. I came in here. It's like, oh, I hope this goes well tonight. So. I mean, you know, there's people in my office who like love podcasts, so they were so jealous when I told them I was coming here. Well, maybe I'll have to invite them yeah, on and Gus see. Yeah, Gus Tiffer podcast. Gus Tiffer. Do okay, you know yes, Gus? yes. I get his he emails. Loves <laughs> podcast. Yep, yep. So, so I'll definitely, definitely uh, shoot him an email. Yeah, I love that you're so. talking about this about relationships with God. I think it's awesome to think about it. So mm-hmm. thanks for having me. And I want to have many different people. You're just one of many. Great, and <laughs> so. thanks for the hot chocolate. Yes, of course. I love it. It's good stuff. It's really good. Warm milk with a little bit of sweet goodness. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, thank you again. Um, This has been a great time. Um, I'm sure the audience has found a special place in their hearts for your vision for relationships and students at the campus. So, For sure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. Have a great night. You too.